Welcome to Chris's A to Z special edition. You deserve the props for Van Halen. Tribute to Eddie Van Halen, who passed away yesterday at the age of 65, unfortunately, of throat cancer. Um, what can you say about Eddie Van Halen, my goodness? Growing up with Van Halen was like a soundtrack to my childhood. Because I remember being in my brother's room when he had when we had audio cassettes uh, players and record players and things of that nature. And I remember hearing Jump on his sound system and it was incredible. The guitar was just, it blew my mind. What a guitar player. And basically, he innovated the art of, of the whole fingering mechanism to take it to the next level as far as metal's concerned, as far as fusion, if you want to think about even fusion jazz, because Jeff Beck was experimenting with them type of effects and them type of tricks as well, but not to the point that Eddie took it. And uh, then after him, John Satriani, if I pronounce that right, uh, Joe Satriani, uh, a whole bunch of other guitarists after him were doing that, but he innovated that style. And to basically uh, give you a little background on Eddie, uh, Eddie, Eddie Van Halen, he was born in Amsterdam, New Netherlands. Edward Ludwigic Van Halen, sorry if I mispronounce that. He was the son of Jan Van Halen and Eugenia Van Halen. Jan was a Dutch clarinist, saxophonist, and pianist, and Eugenia was an Indo-Eurasian from Rangus, uh, Rangkaspitan on the island of Java in the Dutch East Indies, now Indonesia. The family eventually resettled in Nijmegen. I'm going to make a lot of mispronunciations tonight, guys, so be prepared. So in 1962, the Van Halen family moved from the Netherlands to the United States, settling in Pasadena, California. Eddie, Eddie and his older brother, Alex Van Halen, were, neutralized, were naturalized as U.S. citizens. The brothers learned to play piano as children start, starting at the age of six. They commuted from Pasadena to San Pedro to study with an elderly piano teacher by the name of Stasis Calvatis. Stasis Calvatis, excuse me. I will get it right eventually, bear with me. Eddie revealed in an interview that he had never been able to read music. Instead, he learned from watching and listening for example, during recitals of Bach or Mozart, he would improvise from he would improvise. And from 1964 through 1967, he won first place in the annual piano competition held at Long Beach City College, which explains those beautiful piano parts that he played on both Jump and uh, All Right. Uh, just to name a, all right now, just to name a couple. But he he's he played a synthesizer and piano a lot in a lot of the uh, Van Halen albums, which we'll be hearing pretty soon. Uh, so afterward, the judges would comment that he had an interesting interpretation of the classical piece. His view was what? I thought I was playing it correctly. However, according to one interview, playing the piano did not prove to be challenging or interesting to him. Consequently, while Alex began playing the guitar, Eddie bought a drum kit for himself. However, after he heard Alex's performance of the Safari's drum solo in the song Wipeout, he decided to switch instruments and began learning how to play the electric guitar. 
according to him as a teen, he would often practice while walking around at home with his guitar strapped on or sitting in his room for hours with the door locked. Eddie and his brother Alex formed their first band with three other boys calling themselves the Broken Combs, performing at lunchtime at Hamilton Elementary School in Pasadena, where he was in the fourth grade. He would later say that this was the first this was when he first felt the desire to become a professional musician. Eddie described supergroup Cream's I'm So Glad on the album Goodbye as mind-blowing. He once claimed that he had learned almost all of Eric Clapton's solos in the band Cream note for note. I've always said Cream, I always said Eric Clapton was my main influence. He said, but Jimmy Page was actually more the way I am, in a reckless abandoned kind of way, which you can hear in his playing, really. It's, it's, a, it's a combination of Eric and Jimmy. Which Jimmy was all a rebellious type of player, I always thought as well. And I agree definitely with Eddie on that interpretation of Jimmy Page. Speaking at an event at the Smithsonian's National Museum of American History in 2015, Eddie discussed his life in the American Dream, saying, We came here with approximately $50 and a piano. And we didn't speak the language. Now look where we are. If that's not true, the American Dream, what is? After that, Eddie and his brother Alex formed the band in 1972. Two years later, the band changed its name to Van Halen and at the same time became a staple of the Los Angeles music scene while playing at well-known clubs like the Whiskey A Go-Go. And then in 1977, Warner Brothers Records offered Van Halen a recording contract. Upon its release, the band's album Van Halen reached number 19 on the Billboard pop charts, becoming one of rock's most commercially successful debuts. It was highly regarded as both a heavy metal and hard rock album. By the early 1980s, Van Halen was one of the most successful rock acts of the time. Which is where we will begin our starts of this tribute to Eddie Van Halen and Van Halen with the debut song that started it off, that started it off for the brothers Van Halen. And that would be Eruption and... The popular song of You Really Got Me, the very well and popular cover version, might even be better than the original version, some might say, of Van Halen. So let's start it off with Chris's A to Z, the first album, Van Halen, self-titled, debut, here it is. From 1978 on Chris's A to Z. Welcome back to Chris's A to Z. Just an overview of what you've been listening for the past hour. Uh, we we basically played almost the whole album of their de- debut from 1978. Uh, started off with Eruption into You Really Got Me. Into Running With The Devil, Ain't Talking About Love, I'm The One, Jamie's Crying, Atomic Punk, Feel Your Love Tonight, Into Little Dreamer, On Fire, and ending that off with The Ice Cream Man. Now, uh, as their career progressed, and they became more popular and more, more bigger, and they signed with Warner Brothers, 
they needed a follow-up. And it, it just kept on growing and growing their popularity. And then uh, came Van Halen 2, the second studio album. Released on March 23, 1979, it peaked at number 6 on the Billboard 200 and spawned the singles Dance the Night Away and Beautiful Girls. As of 2004, it has sold almost 6 million copies in the United States. Critical reaction to the album has been positive as well as with Rolling Stone as the with the Rolling Stone album guide praising the feel-good party atmosphere of the songs, which they yeah, that album is very party. Uh, just constant, constantly, I can't count how many times on both of my hands, I, uh, how many times I've heard Dance the Night Away from somebody's car, or even when I'm driving in the car through the years, so. Uh, the singles that were released from the album were Dance the Night Away, Somebody, Get Me a Doctor, Women in Love, and Beautiful Girls. Uh, and just a little background of the recording of that album, the recording of the album happened at Sunset Studio less than a year after the release of the band's eponymous debut album. Uh, the recording of the album began on December 10th, 1978, just one week after completing their first world tour and was complete within a week. The band used a Putnam 610 console to record the album, similar to the console Eddie installed in his home studio in 1983. Many of the songs on the Van Halen 2 album are known to have existed prior to the release of the first album and are present on the demos recorded in 1976 by Gene Simmons and in 1977 by Ted Templeman, including an early version of Beautiful Girls, then known as Bring On The Girls and Somebody Get Me A Doctor. Now, as far as the artwork and the packaging was concerned, the black and yellow guitar on the back of the album, known as the Bumblebee, is buried with Pantera guitarist, get this, Dimebag Daryl, who was killed in December 8, 2004. Eddie Van Halen placed it in his Kiss casket at his funeral because Daryl has said it was his favorite. However, Eddie himself stated in interviews that the guitar itself was not actually used on the Van Halen 2 album. As it had only been, as it had only been completed just in time for the photo shoots for the album, David Lee Roth is shown in a cast in the inner liner, linear notes as he allegedly broke his heel on the third try to the third try of the spread eagle jump used on the back cover photo. This is to show you how much of a showman Eddie Van Han, um, uh, sorry David Lee Roth is. And in fact, uh, before they hit the road for the last tour they ever did, which I think was 2013, he had a Band-Aid on his nose. They appeared actually on the, the Jim Kimmel show, and I'll never forget this. The reason why he had the Band-Aid on his nose is he was trying to practice his, uh, he was practicing juggling knives. That was one of his tricks. He, he's always the constant showman, David Lee Roth. And I think he, by accident, he was throwing a knife up in the air and it cut him in the nose. Anyway... Uh, he, he apparently broke his heel on the uh, spread eagle uh, spread out on the back cover of the photo of the Dom Van Halen 2 album right there. But anyway, in the liner notes, the Sheridan Inn of Madison, Wisconsin is thanked. On Van Halen's first tour, they stayed at the hotel and destroyed the seventh floor, having fire extinguisher fights in the hallways and throwing televisions out windows. Something like your rock stories that you usually always hear. Uh, 
reminiscent of Keith, Keith Moon and The Who and all that. Uh, they blamed the incidents on their tour mates at the time. Sure. Okay, guys. Uh, as far as the critical reception is concerned, in a 1979 Rolling Stone review, Timothy White writes that Scattered Thought, Van Halen's second album, are various vanilla fudge bumps and grinds on Aerosmith-derived studio bravado, a bit of Bad Company's basement funk, and even a few Humble Pie mini mini rave-ups, adding that the LP retains a number live feel. In a, re- in a retrospective review, Stephen Thomas Erwine from All Music rates Van Halen to four stars out of five. He notes the album is virtually a carbon copy of their 1978 debut. Though goes on it to, on to say it is lighter and funnier and some of the grandest hard rock ever made. Erwine praises Eddie's phenomenal gift and Roth's knowing shuck and jive. Well, at least they got a little bit of positivity out of that review. Does it just come to show that it takes a bit of time for an album to gain its peak? And, you know, there's always them critics out there who want to say something. So as long as you can, as you know who you are as a musician and as a band, and that you're worth it, then you can do anything that's possible. Now, as far as the commercial performance was concerned, it reached number six on the Billboard 200 charts and number 23 on the UK charts. Van Halen 2 was certified five times platinum in 2004. See? It gained gained momentum as it went on, as I just mentioned. About 5.7 million records have been sold in the United States as of 2004. And in 2000, Van Halen 2 was remastered and re-released. As far as other information, uh, the Van Halen lineup for that album is is as follows, as all of you well know, the, the serious fans as well. But if you're not serious fans, well, here it goes. I'm going to give you the history behind this com- completely of Van Halen 2. David Lee Roth was the lead. Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen was guitar and backing vocals. Michael Anthony was on bass, guitar, and backing vocals. And Alex Van Halen, Halen was on the drums. As far as the production is concerned, Corey Bailey did the engineering. David Bang did the artwork and design and art direction. Jim Fitzpatrick was the engineer. Greg Geller did the remastering. Elliot Gilbert, Elliot Gilbert did the photography. Donna Landley was the engineer. Joe Mata was the project con- coordinator. And Ted Templeman was the produ- did the production. And Neil Zlossower did the photography. As far as the charts concerned, in as far as Dutch albums are concerned, it ranked on the top 10, 100, and, pe- and peaked in, at 11. As far as Australia is concerned, in the, Kent, it, in the Kent Music Report, it peaked at 68. As far as German albums are concerned, Offa Ziel, it topped in the 100 and peaked at 24. As far as in Sweden and as far as albums are concerned, now let's see if I can top, uh, if I can pronounce this. Svezje Topolitistan. Oh my god. Svezje Topolitistan. I botched that up. Sorry, guys. But in Sweden, it peaked 22. In the UK OCC, it peaked 23. And in the US Billboard Top 200, it peaked at number 6. Now, as far as Billboard is concerned, in 1979, the single Dance the Night Away uh, topped in the position of 15. And Beautiful Girls at 84. And U.S. Billboard Hot 100. It was on U.S. Billboard Hot 100. 
as far as the certifications are concerned in the Canic and Canada Music Canada two times platinum 200,000 200, certified units in sales in France that's the uh, that's SNEP for SNEP 27 gold certification 100,000 units in sales in the Netherlands NVPI number 28 two times gold 100,000 certified units in sales and in the United States that would be the RIAA five times platinum five now my math is off guys so you can correct me if I'm wrong that's fine uh 5,000 million unit sales and copies I probably botched that up but you know the deal of how big that album was and how they gained momentum on that off of that and uh, as far as uh, anything else is concerned is information off of this album I think I've gone through it as far as I could now let's listen to Van Halen 2 shall we from March 23rd 1979 to date its release United States of America on Chris's A to Z. Hello, welcome back to Chris's A to Z. So uh, we started off the set with the second album that Van Halen did, Van Halen 2. But we skipped around a little bit just to keep things, you know, on an even keel to... Mix it up, give it, give you a little bit of variety, and try to get through the years before we reach the pinnacle of Van Halen's career, which is 1984. But they were still uh, blazing away even before that. Uh, basically, we started off with the set with uh, Van Halen 2, starting off with You're No Good, Dance the Night Away, Somebody Get Me a Doctor, Bottoms Up, Out of Love Again, Light Up the Sky, Spanish Fly, DOA, Women in Love, and then ending that album with Beautiful Girls. Now, in 1980, they did their follow-up album, uh, which was called Women and Children. Now, uh, let's uh, just get some stats on Women and Children here. Uh, Let's see here. I'm about to look that up as we speak. Women and Children first. Now, this was the follow-up. This was the third album off of Van Halen for Van Halen, and that was released on March 26, 1980 on Warner Brothers Records, produced by, again, Ted Templeman. It was the first to feature compositions written solely by the band, and it is described by critic Stephen Thomas Irwin as the record where the group started to get heavier, both sonically and to a lesser extent thematically. Uh, so basically, uh, the background and recording for that, uh, consisted of the opening track and the cradle will rock begins with what sounds like a guitar, but it is in fact a phaser shifter effect affected Wurlitzer electric piano played through Van Halen's 1960s model 100 watt Marshall Plexi amplifier. The album is somewhat different from the band's first two albums in the way that it features more studio overdubs and less emphasis on backing vocals. Could This Be Magic contains the only female backing vocal ever recorded for a Van Halen song. Nicolette Larson sings during some of the choruses. Now, Nicolette Larson uh, had a hit record in the 1970s, the mid-1970s, called A Lot of Love. 
which was actually recorded first by Neil Young, and Neil Young uh, gave it to her, which I've played this on past uh, episodes. Um, her version, uh, I don't think I've played Neil's yet, but we're, we'll hear that. Maybe we'll hear that after the tribute's over when I get into the nighttime set. But anyway, Nicolette Larson sung during some of those choruses. Very interesting, never knew that. The rain sound in the background is not an effect. It was raining outside, and the band decided to record the sound in stereo using two Newman KM84 microphones and added it to the track. The first single from the album was Keyboard Driven and The Cradle Will Rock. Although it was not a success like previous singles Dance the Night Away or the cover of You Really Got Me, the album itself was well-received and further entrenched the band as a popular concert draw. The song Everybody Wants Some was also a concept staple through 1984 and continued to be played by David Lee Roth after he left Van Halen. The album contains a track at the end in a simple rhyme, a brief instrumental piece entitled Growth, which begins at 419, 4 minutes and 19 seconds. Uh, While Growth faded out on the original vinyl LP and cassette, it was given a cold ending at full volume on the comp on the compact disc at the time the band was toying with the idea of starting what would become their next album fair warning which is also has also been featured here as you you heard uh, just within this past hour or so with a continuation of growth but this did not occur growth was a, a staple of the band's live shows with roth and often used a start of the encores Several outtakes from these sessions exist, including in an unreleased instrumental, often referred to as Act Like It Hurts, which was the title Eddie Van Halen originally wanted for Tora Tora. Act Like It Hurts also provided a riff for House of Pain, released on 1984. The album version included a poster of a photography of a photograph by Helmut Newton, featuring Roth Clay chained to a fence. Everybody Wants Some was featured in the 1985 comedy Better Off Dead during a sequence featuring a singing guitar guitar playing Claymation Hamburger. A nod is given to Eddie in the animation as the hamburger's guitar sports the Frankenstrat design made famous by him. Everybody Wants Some is also featured in the 2009 film Zombieland and the 2016 film Everybody Wants Some, which took its title from the song according to director Richard Linkletter. In the band's licensed game Guitar Hero Van Halen, four of the nine tracks of the album are available for play and the cradle will rock Everybody Wants Some, Romeo Delight, and Loss of Control. Now as far as the uh, critical reception for this album, Uh, Reviews for Women and Children first were generally favorable. David Frick for Rolling Stone highlights the song Romeo Delight, Everybody Wants Some, and Loss of Control, calling them works of high-volume art. Frick uh, praises the band, calling them exceptionally good players. Both Frick and Robert uh, Chris Chris Gow compare Eddie's guitar work to Jimi Hendrix. Chris Chris Gow gives the album a B rating. Stating Eddie earns the Hendrix comparisons, and he is, and he's no clone. He's faster, colder, more structural. In a retrospective review for All Music, Stephen Thomas Earl, when rated the album 4.5 stars out of five, Earl Wynn recalls the album mature, or at least a, get a little serious, noting there's a bit of dark heart. B 
beating on this record. Kerrang! magazine listed the album number 30 among the 100 greatest heavy metal albums of all time. And Rolling Stone listed the album at number 36 in their list of the 100 greatest metal albums of all time. Uh, As far as the personnel is confirmed, it's the usual as I mentioned earlier. David Lee Roth, lead vocals and acoustic guitar. He actually played acoustic guitar on this album, on Could This Be Magic? Um, Eddie Van Halen, guitars, electric piano, backing vocals, which which is what I mentioned previously, that he did some great piano in, in the past with the Van Halen album. So there you go right there. There's proof. Michael Anthony with bass guitar, backing vocals as usual, and Alex Van Halen on drums. And then we had Nicolette Larson doing the backup vocals on Could This Be Magic? Um, as far as the production is concerned, Pete Angeles was the creative consultant. Chris Bellum did the remastering. Don Landley, Landy did the engineering, along with Gene Miros. And Joe Mata was project coordinator. Helmut Newton was poster. Uh, did the poster photo. Norman Seif, Seif did the cover photo. And Richard Serini did the art direction. And Ted Templeman did production. As far as it charting, in the, du- in, Dutch, in the Dutch album sales, it topped 100, peaked 3 on the peak position. As far as Germany is concerned, off the Offiziel, it topped 100 and peaked at number 19. In New Zealand, off of the RMNZ, it peaked 15. In Norwegian, and the Norwegian, uh, in Norwegia, and as far as Norwegian albums are concerned, VG Lista, it peaked at number 23. As far as Sweden is concerned, uh, in, in the Savgreg's top listan, it peaked number 19. And in the UK, it peaked number 15 in the OCC. And as far as US Billboard 200, it peaked number 6. And as far as uh, And the Cradle Will Rock, that song in the Billboard Hot 100 peaked at number 55 in position. As well as in Canada, RPM singles, it was 81. As far as Sir. Certifications are concerned as far as Music Canada is concerned. Two times platinum, 200,000 units in sales. In France, in the SNEP, it went gold, 100,000 sales. In the Netherlands, it went gold, 50,000 sales. And as far as the U.S. is concerned, three times platinum, three three, uh, million copies as far as I can read here if my sales are correct or my math is correct. And that ends it for that particular album, Women and Children First. As far as fair warning is concerned, uh, information on that album, let's see here. I'm about to look that up as we're going further. Fair warning. As I'm, I'm going along by the info I get, so bear with me if I take a little bit of time. But I'm going for... Uh, anything that I can give to you guys as far as information is concerned from what I got to my outlets here. So Fair Warning was the fourth album uh, by Van Halen. It was, and that was released on April 29th, 81. It sold more than 2 million copies, but was still the band's slowest selling album of the David Lee Roth era. Despite the album's commercially disappointing sales, Fair Warning, Fair Warning was met with the most positive re- reviews from the critics. Go figure. Uh, as far as the cover work was concerned, it features a detail from the maze painting by Canadian artist William Kurelik, and which depicts his tortured youth. The album's cover artwork is co- accompanied by an insert of a black and white picture of the band 
as well as a view of the ghetto drywall with a wire running across it. Cracked windows at the top and a Roth-era Van Halen logo with plaster cracked over the left wing, also on the wall as a lyric from the album's opening song, Mean Street. Critical reception. The Village Voice uh, voices Robert Chris Gow rated Fair Warning a B, B minus signifying a competent or mildly interesting record that will usually feature at least three worthwhile cuts. He stated that it featured not just Eddie's latest sound effects, but a few good jokes along with the mean ones in a rhythm section that can handle punk speed emotionally and technically. He also explained that at times Eddie could be, could even be said to play an expressive lyrical role. Of course, what he's expressing is hard to say. Uh, tech, technocracy, 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 excuse my mispronunciation, put a a patina on cynicism. A retrospective review uh, by AllMusic Stephen Thomas Irwin found the album fairly positive in the review. He initially stated that that it's a dark, strange beast, partially because it lacks any song as purely Van as the hits from the first that where whatever the reason fair warning winds up as a dark dirty nasty piece of work he went on to say that dull it is not and fair warning contains some of the fiercest hardest music that van halen ever made there's a little question that eddie van halen won whatever internal skirmishes they had even with the even with the lack of sig- single dedicated instrumental showcase he concluded that the nastiness of the defining characteristic fair warning which certainly doesn't make it a bunches of fun, but it showcases the coiled work of Van Halen. Better than the other album, which makes it worth visiting on occasion. The Rolling Stone album guide, however, gave the album two and a half stars out of five, stating that the most significant musical development is the synthesizer introduced at the end of Fair Warning, which would be exploited to greater effect on later albums. Uh, The personnel on this album is the usual... Uh, with David Lee Roth lead vocals, uh, Michael Anthony bass guitar, backing vocals, and Alex Van Halen drums. But once again, uh, not only is Eddie Van Halen playing the guitar, but he did the synthesizers and the backing vocals, as well as Michael Anthony. Uh, the production was done by Peter Angelis with, for the cover design. Chris Bellum did the remastering along with Greg Geller. And Greg Gorman did the photography and inlay photos. Uh, William Kurelik did the cover artwork and, from The Maze. And Don Landley did the engineering along with Gene Muris, along with the past album, Women and Children. Uh, as far as the art direction, Richard Serini did that, and Ted Templeman was producer. Neil Zlager did the photography. The charts... Charted in Australia and peaked at uh, number 97 in the new U.S. Billboard at part 200. It um, it went to uh, Billboard 200. It peaked at five. Uh, so this is love mainstream rock. Uh, that year uh, in the position went 15, um, as well as number 12. Push comes to shove off that album uh, was positioned on 29 and Unchained positioned at 13. As far as certifications are concerned, Canada went platinum for 100,000 sales, and in the United States, it went two times platinum, 2 million sales. 
Now, when we get into River Down, which was released in 1982, uh, which you just heard, let's get into some information on Diver Down. Now, as far as Diver Down is concerned, that album was released in on April 14th, 1982. It is the fifth studio album by... Uh, Van Halen, and it was, re- and it spent 65 weeks on the album chart in the United States, and it had by 1998 sold 4 million copies in the United States, and it is their shortest album to date. Uh, as far as the background is concerned, the album cover artwork displays the diver down flag used in many U.S. jurisdictions, which include, which indicates scuba diver is currently submerged in the area. Asked about the cover in a 1982 interview with uh, Sylvie Cinnamons, sounds June 23rd, 1982. David Lee Roth said it was meant to imply that there was something going on that's not apparent to your eyes. You put up the red flag and the white slash. While a lot of people approach Van Halen as sort of the abyss, it means it's not immediately apparent to your eyes. What is going on underneath the surface? The back cover of the album features a photo by Richard Aaron of Van Halen on stage at the Tangerine Bowl in Orlando, Florida. That was taken on October 24th, 1991. As they concluded a set of opening for the Rolling Stones. As far as the personnel is concerned, it's the usual with... uh, Well, actually, David Lee Roth on this one did lead vocals synthesizer on Intruder and played acoustic guitar and a harmata on, on the full bug. Eddie Van Halen did electric and acoustic guitars, backing vocal synthesizer on Dancing in the Street, and Mike, Michael Anthony did the bass guitar and backing vocals. Alex Van Halen just uh, played drums. Jan Van Halen was uh, did the clarinet on Big Bad Bill. So one of the Van uh, so Eddie uh, so the Van Halen sisters right there, uh, Eddie and. Uh, Alex Van, and uh, Van Halen's sister uh, did the clarinet on that. Very interesting. Uh, didn't know she played music as well. Played an instrument, rather. Uh, the production work was uh, Richard Aaron did the photography. Peter Angelos did the art direction. Keen Dean and Don Landy did the engineering. Joe Mata, as is the previous albums, was the project coordinator. Richard Serini did the art direction. Ted Templeman was the producer. And Niels Losser did the photography. And that is fair warning, dive and diver down. I just went through all the information on those albums. Now let's get what what we've been hearing for all of those albums. So we started off the set, and I already went through uh, the uh, the second Van Halen album. But what you just heard uh, off of uh, Women and Children from 1980 was um, and the and the Cradle Will Rock. Everybody Wants Some, Romeo Delight, Take Your Whiskey Home, Could This Be Magic, and In a Simple Rhyme. And then we heard off a fair warning from 1981, Mean Street, Unchained, Push Comes to Shove, and So This Is Love. And uh, as far as Diver Down is, and also, where have all the good times gone? I believe was off that apple uh, as well. I missed those two in my liner notes. Uh, as far as Diver Down is concerned, 
we got into Cathedral and Secrets. But now, uh, um, but now we shall get into. Uh, also, uh, we heard off that album, "Oh Pretty Woman Dancing in the Street" and "Happy Trails." Just forgot to mention those. Okay, now is the time where we will be getting into Van Halen's most popular album, the one that put him on the map, the one that got him all, all of the accolades. 1984. This is basically, I would say, probably Van Halen's most popular album of all time. It is. It is definitely a crowd favorite, and it's one of one of my favorites. Uh, a lot of hits off of this record. And uh, just to before we even introduce this, I'm going to also go into the information off of this album. It was the sixth studio album by them. It was released on January 9th. Excuse the outside noise. Sorry about that. It was released on January 9th, 1984, and it was the last Van Halen album until a different kind of troupe, 2012, to feature lead singer David Lee Roth, who left in 1985 following creative differences. This is the final full-length album to feature all four original members, the Van Halen brothers Roth and Michael Anthony. Roth would return in 2007, but Eddie's son Wolfgang would replace Anthony in 2006. 1984 and Van Halen's debut are Van Halen's best-selling albums, each having sold more than 10 million copies. How about that, folks? 1984 was well-received by music critics. Rolling Stone ranked the album number 81 on its list of the 100 greatest albums of the 1980s. It reached number two on the Billboard 200 album chart and remained three for five weeks behind Michael Jackson's Thriller, on which guitarist Eddie Van Halen made a guest performance. 1984 produced four singles, including Jump, Van Halen's only number one single on the Billboard Hot 100, the top 20 hits Panama and I'll Wait, and the MTV favorite Hot for Teacher. The album was certified Diamond by the Recording Industry Association of America in 1999, signifying 10 million shipped copies. As far as the recording is concerned, following the group's 1982 album, Diver Down guitarist Eddie Van Halen was dissatisfied by the concessions he made to Van Halen frontman David Lee Roth and producer Ted Templeman. Both discouraged Eddie from making keyboards a prominent instrument in the band's music. By 1983, Eddie was in the process of building his own studio, naming it 5150 after the California law code for the temporary involuntary psychiatric commitment of individuals who present a danger to themselves or others due to signs of mental illness with Don Landley, Landy. The band's longtime engineer and later producer on the 5150 and OU8112 recordings. While boards and tape machines were being installed, Eddie began on synthesizers to pass the time. There was no presets, said Templeman. He would just twist off until it sounded right. There he composed Van Halen's follow-up to Diver Down, without as much perceived interference from Roth or Templeman. The result was a compromise between the two creative factions in the band, a mixture of keyboard-heavy songs and the intense rock from which the band was known. 
In Rolling Stone's retrospective review of 1984 in its 100 best albums of the 80s, uh, list producer Ted Templeman said, It's really obvious to me why 1984 won Van Halen a broader and larger audience. Eddie Van Halen discovered the synthesizer. Wow, these critics are something else, man. He was playing synthesizer the whole time. You know, critics will be critics, whatever, on that note. As far as... Yes, they do, hon. That's my girl, Colleen, in the background. She agrees with me on that one. Reviews for 1984 were generally favorable. Robert Christgau rated the album a B+. Wow, a B-plus for the most popular album they ever made. Wow, I'm shaking my head right now. Anyway, he explained that Side One is pure up, and not only that it sticks to the our ears and that Van Halen's pop move avoids fluff because they're heavy and schlock, because they're built for speed, finally creating an all-purpose mizzen scene for Brother Eddie's hair-raising, stomach-churring chops. He also called Side 2 consolation for their loyal fans, a little sexism, a lot of pyrotechnics, and a standard HM bass attack on something called House of Pain. J.D. Considine, a reviewer for Rolling Stone, rated 1984 four out of five stars. He called it the album that brings all of Van Halen's talent into focus. He stated that Jump is not exactly the kind of song you'd expect from Van Halen, but that once Alex Van Halen's drums kick and the singer David Lee Roth starts starts to unravel a typically convol, uh, convul, con, I'll probably try to pronounce this right convoluted storyline things start sounding a little more familiar convulate convulate convoluted I'm not even trying it anymore let's go on although we mentioned Jump as having suspended chords and a pedal point bass in a manner more suited to Asia, he went on to state that Eddie Van Halen manages to expand his repertoire of hot licks, growls, screams, and seemingly impossible runs to wilder frontiers that you could have imagined. He concluded that what really makes this record work is the fact that Van Halen uses all this flash as a means to an end, driving the melody home rather than as an end itself, in itself. And that despite all the bluster, Van Halen is one of the smartest, toughest bands in rock and roll. Believe me, that's no newspeak. In 1984 review, Billboard states that the album is funnier and more versatile than most of the metal brethren calling the production typically strong. A retrospective review by AllMusic Stephen Thomas Irwin was extremely positive. He noted that the album caused a hoopla that was a bit of red herring since the band had been layering in synth since their third album, Women and Children First. He further stated that jump synths play a circular riff that wouldn't have sounded as overpowering on guitar, and that the band didn't dispense with their signature monolithic pulsating rock. He also stated that where previous albums placed an emphasis on the band's attack, this places an emphasis on the songs, and they're uniformly terrific best set of original tunes Van Halen ever had. He concluded that it's the best showcase of Van Halen's instrumental prowess as a band, the best showcase for Diamond Dave's glorious shtick, the best showcase for their songwriting, just their flat-out best album overall. There's no way Van Halen could have bettered this album with Dave around. 
and they didn't better it once Sammy Hagar joined either. All right, whatever that means. Guitar Player Magazine writer Matt Blackett praises the deeper cuts of the album Drop Dead Legs, House of Pain, and Girls Gone Bad, calling the guitar work fresh and vital, noting Eddie's dark, complex sense of harmony and melody. Len Camarada, Len Camarada, excuse me, from Consequence of Soul Sound felt Van Halen reached the pinnacle of its commercial and critical success at the end of the 1980s. Rolling Stone, which had previously been critical of Van Halen, ranked 1984 at number 81 on its list of the 100 greatest albums of the 1980s. The album was also included in the book 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. Wow, okay. Guitar World Magazine placed the album on their list of New Sensations 50 Iconic Albums that define 1984. We all know the personnel. It was David Lee Roth on vocals. Eddie Van Halen did the guitar, keyboards, and backing vocals. Michael Anthony uh, actually played bass guitar, synth bass on I'll Wait, backing background vocals, and Alex Van Halen on drums. The production included the usual of Peter Angelis on Art Direction, Chris Bellum did the mastering. Ken Dean did the engineering. Greg Geller did the mastering. Don Landley, Landy did the engineering. Joe Mata did the project coordination. Margot Nehas did the cover art. And Joan Parker did production coordination. And Richard Serini did art direction. And Ted Templeton did the production. Now let's get to the charts. As far as Australian albums are concerned, it peaked at the position of number 11 in the Kent Music Report. In the Austrian circuit, as far as the albums are concerned, it peaked number 12. As far as the Dutchers are concerned, at album top 100, it peaked number 8. German albums off of Zeal top 100 peaked 11. In New Zealand albums in the RMNZ, it peaked number 15. In Norwegian, Norwegian albums have peaked number 12. As far as Sweden's concerned, the Swedish albums, I'm not even going to pronounce that again because I bouch it up every time, it peaked number four. As far as the Swiss are concerned, as, as far as the Schreitzer hit parade is concerned, it peaked number seven. In the UK, it peaked number 15. And in the US, Billboard 200, it peaked number two. In Canada albums, in Billboard, it peaked to the position of number 71. Now, as far as the singles are concerned, Jump... At the Billboard uh, Hot 100, peaked number one. In the UK, it peaked number seven. In the mainstream rock tracks, it peaked number one. At the Hot Dance Music Club Play, it peaked number 17. The song I'll Wait in the Billboard Hot 100 peaked 13. In the UK, it peaked number 85. In the mainstream rock tracks, it peaked number two. And as far as Panama is concerned, uh, the Billboard Hot 100, that peaked number 13. In the UK, single chart, that peaked number 61. And in the mainstream, rock tracks peaked number two. Hot for Teacher, our favorite video right there of teachers turning into strippers on MTV, if y'all remember that. On the Billboard Hot 100, that peaked number 56. UK single chart, number 87. And at the mainstream, rock tracks peaked numbers four. As far as certifications are concerned for Van Halen for that album, 1984, Canada, Music Canada, five times platinum, 500,000 sales. In Finland, Music Atopia, I botched that up. I don't care anymore. I will botch every mispronunciation up. Be prepared for that. 
Well, in Finland, it, it uh, certified sales were uh, twenty five thousand, three thousand five. In France, gold it was three eighty one, three uh, three eight, three eighty one thousand three hundred. In Germany, Germany it was platinum five hundred thousand sales. In Japan, it went gold hundred thousand. In in Latvia, it, pl- it went platinum eight thousand sales. In New Zealand, it went platinum fifteen thousand sales. In the UK, BPI gold it went a hundred thousand. And in the United States, it went diamond. Quite a feat. Ten million sales. Ten million copies sold. So, without further ado, here it is, 1984, and we will be starting with the track. Let's see here, 1984, and into the most popular one, "Jump" on Chris's A to Z. Welcome back to Chris's A to Z. So just an overview of what you've been hearing for this past hour uh, with uh, the Van Halen tribute here, uh, including uh, the tribute to uh, Eddie Van Halen, who just passed away yesterday at the age of 65. Uh, we started off. Uh, we started. We, uh, we started it off with their biggest selling album of all time, uh, the 1984 album, and uh, we went from 1984 to Jump to Panama. To hot for teacher. To I'll wait. Girl gone bad and good enough. But now what we're going to get into is after David Lee Roth. So here comes 1986, and uh, basically David Lee Roth decides to leave the band, as far as I know. And uh, here's here's how it went. Um, so from 1974 until 1985, Van Halen consisted of Eddie Van Halen, Eddie's brother, drummer Alex Van Halen, as you well know, and vocalist David Lee Roth and bassist Michael Anthony. Uh, but in 1985, Roth left the band to embark on a solo career. It was placed replaced by former Montrose lead vocalist Sammy Hagar, who, by the way, was popular and famous before Van Halen. He was around in the 1970s. He he did the soundtrack for the movie Heavy Metal. It was like a your earliest version of like anime, basically, with his with him singing on it, which which was a great a great song. Heavy Metal. The movie was fantastic. If you're into that sort of thing, but anyway, uh, David Lee Roth was replaced by Sammy Hagar in '85. Uh, with Hagar, the group released four U.S. number one. Multi-platinum albums over the course of 11 years. 5150 in 1986 and OU812 in 1988. For unlawful carnal knowledge in 91 and balance in 1995. Hagar left the band in 1996 shortly before the release of the band's first greatest six collection, The Best of Volume 1. Former extreme frontman Gary Sharon replaced Hagar and recorded the commercially unsuccessful album Van Halen 3 with the band in 1998, before parting ways in 1999. Van Halen then went on hiatus until reuniting with Hagar in 2003 for a worldwide tour in 2004 and the double disc greatest hits collection The Best of Both Worlds. Hagar again left Van Halen in 2005, and in 2006, Roth returned as lead vocalist. 
and Anthony was replaced by bass guitar Wolf, by Wolfgang Van Halen. Eddie's son, in 2012, the band released a commercially and critically successful A Different Kind of Truth, and as of March 2019, Van Halen is 20th on the RIAA list of best-selling artists in the United States. The band has sold 56 million albums in the States and more than 80 million worldwide, making them one of the best-selling groups of all time. As of 2007, Van Halen was one of the only five rock bands with two studio albums that sold more than 10 million copies in the United States and is also tied for the most multi-platinum albums by an American band. Additionally, Van Halen has charted three, 13 number one hits on Billboard's mainstream rock chart, and VH1 ranked the band 7th on a list of the top 100 hard rock artists of all time. And then, as of yesterday, Eddie Van Halen died from cancer. He had first confirmed his initial cancer diagnosis in April 2001. So we had a good fight. Eddie did the best he could to stick around and keep the music rolling. And that's what anybody could ask for. So now we're going to get into 5150 here on Chris's A to Z. And we're going to start actually with the song, Why Can't This Be Love, into right now from the 1991 album. And then, for all you Van Halen maniacs, Van Halen fans, Van Halen addicts, <laughs> should I say, we're going to do a live broadcast here. Well, not broadcast for real, for real, but we're going to basically play a whole, a whole. I believe this could be an hour, it could be over an hour of them live at the Tokyo Dome from June 21st. 2013. They actually released this on an album, uh, Van Halen Live, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna play that whole album for you before we get into our regular set. So, but right now, let's start off with from the 5150 album. Why can't this be love? For all the Van Hagar fans out there, sorry, Jimmy, I gotta put it in there. That's for my uh, that's for the bass player from Mafia. He he does not like the Van Hagar era. Well, I have to make it for everybody Jimmy so we're going to start off this set with why can't this be love uh, off the 5150 album on Chris's A to Z welcome back to Chris's A to Z special edition of you deserve the props uh, Van Halen a tribute to Van Halen and Eddie Van Halen. Uh, we started off the set with um, the 5150 album from 1986 with the song Why Can't This Be Love into Right Now off of the For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge album from 1991. And then we got into Van Halen Live at the Tokyo Dome back in June 21st in 2013 with Drumstruck really got me dance the night away i'll wait the cradle will rock hot for teacher woman in love women in love romeo delight mean street beautiful girls ice cream man panama eruption ain't talking about love and jump 
So there you have it. That basically ends our special edition on here, and I hope you enjoyed it. I, sh- I sure did, and learned a lot about how critics can be wrong. And no matter what the critics said about these guys, they continue to plug away and went diamond. I mean, how, how it, it that's as good as it gets to go diamond. When you know you, uh, when a band or group or artist goes diamond in the charts, you know you've came, you've you have. You have arrived, basically. And uh, rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen. I'm, you will be missed. And it's a shame because I would have loved to have seen them live. But unfortunately, things happen. And we can't change those things, unfortunately. Uh, God has decided that it was Eddie's time. But I will tell you this right now. The music lives on through you. Through the fans. All of you fans out there, this is for you. And thank you for listening to this special telecast. The telecast, there I go again. The special broadcast of You Deserve the Props, Van Halen, a tribute to Van Halen, and Eddie Van Halen. So now we're going to get back into the usual mix here. Uh, However, though, I would like to make some announcements before we go any further. Uh, Hopefully I can uh, broadcast this before it ends. But the North Penn VFW 676 open mic is still going on. Uh, well, no, it will be going on actually in 45 minutes but because uh, it's 616 while I'm recording this. But probably as far as uh, you're concerned, by the time you hear this, it could be either over. But what you can do if you want is you can still go online. And there's no list, no... no um, no rules for that. Uh, you just simply go online and plug away uh, to whatever song you're doing or uh, just set up and just go online and do your thing and sing and all that. Or play guitar or, or piano or whatever you choose to do. They are doing that. I'm just bringing up the information right now. I can't seem to get that up for some reason. But even if it ends, you still can perform. You still can peek in actually online to see what's going on as well with that so there you go right there um as far as other announcements are concerned i will get back to you but let's get back into the program here with a cover by a man an artist by the name of charles bradley he covered a black sabbath song called changes wait till you hear this version it's totally fripped around into a blues r&b feel And I heard it once and I decided I got to play this on my show. So here he is, Charles Bradley with the song Changes on Chris's A to Z. Welcome back to Chris's A to Z. Just to keep you informed of what's going on in your neck of the woods. Neck of the woods, excuse me, your neck of the woods we have the open mic tonight. Uh, it's uh, well underway by the time you hear this. Uh, basically, how it's rolling along is that uh, all performers are asked to sign up in advance using the sign-up sheet that is posted each week in the Facebook group. It looks very similar to the list that has been posted for the past 29 weeks. And you bring your own microphones And it's going to run from 7 to 10, and they're reserving time slots also for between 7 p.m. and 9.30 for people attending in person. But for those 
that uh, cannot attend can do it virtually on Facebook. Now, when you do that, you can sign up for the slots that are later in the night and go live from home. Uh, This is an effort to still allow everyone to participate, and that will be clearly noted on the sign-up sheet, which has already been posted. Okay, I'm going backwards now a little bit there. So, uh, But that's going on right now as we speak. And uh, tomorrow night, uh, we have the Butler Trio uh, outside at the Rib House, uh, the Bridgeport Rib House. Uh, That's uh, the Bridgeport Rib House is off of 1049 Ford Street, Bridgeport, PA, 19405. And that's going to start at 5 p.m. As well as the Whitpain Tavern open mic in Bluebell, PA, which starts from 7 and ends at usually probably 11 p.m. or something like that. I don't know what time exactly. But the Whitpain Tavern is located on 1529 DeKalb Pike, Bluebell, PA, 19422. And then on Friday, we have The Stinks live at the again, the North Penn 676 VFW starting at 6 30 p.m. That'll probably go into about 9 30 or 10 o'clock. And the North Penn post 676 VFW, and this is for tonight if you're going to the open mic or uh, if you're going to that on Friday. That's located as well off of 2519 Jenkintown Road, Glenside, PA, 19038. Now, as for this, at the same time, in about an hour and a half later that night, we have 60 cents starting at 8 p.m. at the Green Turtle off of 1100 Bethlehem Pike, North Wales, PA, 19454. Now, I'm going to try to attend the uh, Whitpaint Tavern open mic. I, actually, I'm definitely attending that. And we're going to do an on-location for the nation there. We canceled the one the night because I wanted to do the tribute to Van Halen, but we'll definitely be able to do the uh, open mic at the Whitpaint tomorrow night. So, And I'm going, to, I'm going to go out and see 60 Cents, too, and we'll do an on-location for the nation there as well to, see, uh, to let you hear what's going on uh, with this live local music scene. So support live music, listen in to Chris's A to Z. And we're going to take it from there. But uh, just an overview of what you've been hearing for this past hour, since I have you here right with me on the air. Uh, we started to set off with a song called Changes by Charles Bradley, into Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons with Marlena, Get It Together by the Beastie Boys, into So What You Want, the butt naked version, double shot of them, into a double shot of James Brown, uh, one with the, J- the original JBs with Get Up, Get Into It, and Get Involved, and the Funky Drummer parts one and two into paul mccartney and wings with silly love songs into blind faith then after that with presence of the lord brian alger's happiness is just around the bend after that into the bgs with lonely days amy by pure prairie league and a little bit of double shot of joan jett with androgynous with the black hearts and you drive me wild with the runaways but now why don't we get into some tom jones shall we on chris's a to z Welcome back to Chris's A to Z. Just an overview of what you've been hearing for the past hour. We started off with Delilah by Tom Jones. Overview by Gary Puckett in the Union Cap Gap, excuse me, into Frank Sinatra, That's Life. White Lightning by the Big Bopper. Ray Vaughn by Buddy Holly. Shut Him Down by Public Enemy. And then in a double shot of the roots with good music and past the popcorn. 
into our local artists, The Missing Frets, Philly's Own, into Tidal Wave by Ronnie Laws, Beautiful by Gordon Lightfoot, and In My Life by Leo Sayer. Now, how about a little bit of 10cc here on Chris's A to Z? back to Chris's A to Z, just an overview of what you've been hearing for this past hour. We started off with some 10 CCs, I'm Not In Love, and then a double shot of the Moody Blues with uh, Nights in White Satin off of Days of Future Pass, and The Story In Your Eyes from 1971, and Every Good Boy, and on for the album Every Good Boy Deserves a Favor. Into Cornelius Brothers and Sister Rose, would Treat Her Like a Lady, Sitting on the Top of the World by cream into a double shot of traffic with smiling faces and glad into little stevie winwood with valerie into eric clapton and steve winwood together live in madison square garden with had to cry today into eric clapton's after midnight into george harrison's i'd have you anytime ending it with this hour set with handle with care by the Traveling Wilburys, but why not some Ringo Starr here with It Don't Come Easy on Chris's A to Z. And we are back with Chris's A to Z, just an overview again of what we have heard from the past hour would be It Don't Come Easy by Ringo Starr, Walking in Rhythm by the Blackbirds, Hey There, Lonely Girl, Eddie Holman, Ooh Child by The Five Stair Steps, and then a double shot of Thin Lizzy with The Boys Are Back in Town and Jailbreak, into some Tom Petty with You Wreck Me, into the Almond Brothers with Don't Want You No More, into Jessica, once again, that was a double shot of the Almond Brothers, what's up Colleen, into Give Me Three Steps by Leonard Skinner, the Magic Carpet Ride by Steppenwolf, Little Willie by Sweet, and now... Let's get into some B.J. Thomas, because we're hooked on a feeling with Chris's A to Z. Welcome back to Chris's A to Z. Just an overview once again of what you've been hearing. This past hour is Hooked on a Feeling by B.J. Thomas into the Monkees theme by the Monkees. Into some Neil Diamond with Brooklyn Rhodes. Into Crazy by Kenny Rogers. Full Clip by Gangstar. I Want You Back, The Jackson 5. I Think I Love You, The Partridge Family. Mercy, Mercy Me, The Ecology by the legendary Marvin Gaye. Into Shop Around by The Miracles. Into Breathe Your Name by Six Pence on the Richner. Into Let My Love Open the Door by Pete Townsend. Into A Little Funk Number 49 by The James Gang. But Joe Walsh would like to tell you what it's like in the city on Chris's A to Z. Welcome back to Chris's A to Z. Once again, we have approached our last hour of the night here. And we have heard from Joe Walsh starting it off in the city. Rhythm of the Night by The Barge. This is For the Lover in You by Shalimar. Into Dancing Shoes by Bob Marley and the Wailers. And we had little Isaac Hayes. Walk from Regio's 
off of the Shaft album, into Curtis Mayfield's Moving On Up, into A Place Nobody Can Find by Sam and Dave, and then Instant Karma by John Lennon, and Yoko Ono was in that track as well, into Tupac's Do For Love, and then Baker Street by Jerry Rafferty, Time, and then a double shot of Al Stewart with Time Passages and a song on the radio. And once again... This is Christopher Maffei signing off. I bid you adieu. And everyone have a very pleasant rest of your evening. And make sure you pick up um, where the open mic left off. Uh, We got about two more hours at the Glenside VFW open mic at North Penn 676. If you want to take a trip up there. Or you can just hop online and take advantage of the virtual side of that uh but if you do want to head up there to the north penn vfw uh once again the address is 2519 jenkintown road glenside pa 19038 and i couldn't head there tonight but hopefully somewhere in the near future i'll be able to catch up with an all location for the nation but until then everybody have a good night and pleasant dreams to you and yours from Chris's A to Z. Hello, this is Christopher Maffei from Chris's A to Z. If you like what you hear, download the Anchor app for full content and throw me a comment. I'd be glad to hear from you. Thank you. You're listening to Chris's A to Z.